When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Tracy Koga, and thanks for downloading this podcast from iLikeYou.com. If you can, give us a follow or subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at iLikeYou.com. Now, let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Hue virtual chat. While we are now officially into fall, it's the first week of September. We are going down to frost warnings here in Winnipeg, Manitoba. So, of course, everything has utterly changed. And for the thousands of kids going back to school, school life has changed. This morning was the mark of the kids returning back to their classrooms, seeing their friends, seeing their teachers, but I guess in a whole new, different light. And it brings a lot of uncertainty and, I guess, and total the unknown for parents and families as they send their kids off once again to school. So school is the topic as we kind of reflect on our memories of going back to school and what this new, uh, I guess, new normal that we live in and what the kids are now facing. So let's welcome all of our great, great ladies that we have met through all of these months and some new faces. So, hey, oh, there's Charlotte. Hi, Charlotte. Hi, Kirsten. Welcome. And I, ladies, I want to introduce to you Melissa Ballard from Brandon. Hi, Melissa. Thanks for joining us today. And I know we have a new time, so uh, grandmas, the ladies come, just let them in. <laughs> oh, it's so good to see you. How was everybody's long weekend? You can turn your mics up because you're muted right now. You can turn your mics on. It was pretty quiet in Brandon. Like, I didn't do a whole lot gardening. Melissa, yeah, do you want to turn your mic on? Because you're muted. Or your mic should be on. Do you want to say a few words? Can we hear everybody? Is this, any, is this better? Yeah. Okay. There you go. Good. All right, so we're going to start with Melissa. I mean, today, I guess, the big story, going back to school. And I know for myself and, and Kirsten, <laughs> And, and Charlotte, we don't have the little ones, you know, to walk to school or the elementaries, but certainly remember all of our experiences. But for you, Melissa, tell us what I guess it's like for you as a substitute teacher and also in Brandon and how are the feelings to there? So at this point, I haven't actually been to a school yet because thankfully everyone is still healthy and everyone is at school, which is good because that means that I'm not at work, which is a positive, I think, in this case. Um, it'll be interesting to see as the school year continues what happens and how often I get called. Um, because I've been taking the, the self-isolation and distancing fairly seriously, I haven't interacted with a lot of uh, other people over the summer. Right. But I, I think based on some of the things that I've been reading on eBrandon, there are some mixed feelings about going back to school. Mm -hmm. And it makes me 
really hope that everyone who is having to consider all the decisions that they need to make and that they're making the best ones for their family and for their health and safety. I think that's really important. Yeah. So what kind of um, things are special rulings or do you have as a substitute teacher? Because that brings a whole different kind of um, environment for you, right? Because you travel around technically. Yes. I've been to a lot of different schools in the last year. And I would say that it's not uncommon for me to be at a different school every day. Mm-hmm. So you are, so, in, and now with cohorts and with COVID-19, I worry that I'm going to pick something up somewhere, even though I can follow all of the precautions, I can make sure that I'm wearing a mask, I can make sure that I'm washing my hands regularly, that I'm paying as best attention as I can to distancing, that I could still pick something up and take it somewhere else. And that is the last thing I want to do because no one wants to end up with this virus and I don't want to take it home to my family. I don't want to take it. I also go to a couple of rural communities and teach music to their kids and I don't want to take it to those communities either. So it's just, it's a lot of being aware and it's a little bit stressful to do that. But at the same time, as a substitute teacher, you have to, I'm going to call it my superhero cape. You have to put on your superhero cape and you have to go and you need to fill in for those teachers who need you to be there to help with the education of the children and the safety of those children in their classroom. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot of, um, I'm going to say thinking on your feet, because sometimes, because different teachers write their sub plans in different ways, and you don't always have a lot of time to figure out everything that's in there. There's mm-hmm. a lot of thinking on your feet and adapting to every individual situation, because every classroom is different and every community is different. Right. No, so, well, it's interesting because there's been the conversation like, you know, and we're all understanding or preparing for it, you know, there will be, or hopefully not, but if in case there are outbreaks that the schools have protocols and if the teachers get sick too as well. So it's kind of a whole snowball thing because then you have to self-isolate. So it's not only looking at the students, but looking at the teachers and the staff. So then that again comes on to substitute teachers. So... It's a, are you, I guess you're anxious, but I guess, will you go back if you're, if you're asked? If I'm asked, yes, I'm going to pick up some of the days. I am going to be a little bit careful about what I am agreeing to do, Mm. just simply because I do worry about those two other communities that I travel to. Right. And so I'm probably, if possible, if there are higher grade levels available where the mask mandate is in place, I'm more likely to choose those than one in the K to three range. Mm-hmm. And which is really sad because I learn so much when I go to K to three. But at the same time, I have to make sure that because I interact with so many people, that I'm doing my best to keep everyone safe. Yeah. Now, is online a possibility for you? Or I guess it depends. As a substitute teacher, when everything was shut down in March, it basically meant that I had no employment. Mm-hmm. And I did match because I do have done some freelance stuff in the last year and I will be continuing to do that this year. And and most of that is, well, I guess I'm waiting to hear if it's remote this going into September or if I will be going back to community in person, but from March to June, it was remote. So it is a possibility depending on what the community wants to do because I do want to respect that as well because it's harder, I think, for kids to learn online than it is in person. And when you're, when you're learning a musical instrument, it's, definitely a little bit easier to convey ideas and to communicate using like if you're in the same place versus on a camera yeah. oh and that's so heartbreaking because it is the you know the uh the 
topics or the, the you know the um, the music and the art and and the gym and the physical activity those are the you know the first ones that sort of get x made i guess as opposed to math english and history and all those others so and music is so important um yeah so let's fingers crossed that you know we can get that happening again but it poses i guess mm -hmm. go ahead and, well and for music it's actually been really interesting because i um some of my classroom music stuff was uh it was cut <laughs> <laughs> so the private lessons that i did in the community continued but the general music stuff we paused Mm -hmm. And then I had another community where I had not, I haven't seen them yet. And for the general music community, they have really banded together across like the entire globe. And Finland actually started a, their ORF chapter started a international sharing Sunday. And so they ran in, like PD internationally. And it was basically examples of what you could do remotely or how to take things outdoors. And it was really neat. And then the USA picked it up over July and August and they ran every week so it's been really neat to pick up other remote teaching ideas so you can still really bring music into the classroom but you have to do it creatively but it's really nice to know that there is this huge supportive network of music educators around the world who are kind of all working on this. Aww. Well no that's great to see that you know you can have that kind of community so I'm gonna open it up to Charlotte and Kirsten here. So, you know, we've, uh, it was a Labor Day weekend, not a great one. Of course, we all know as soon as September comes, boom, you know, it's like freezing and frost and whatever. But did you hear or, or anything, you know, from friends and family of some, uh, going back to school is a little different this year? Oh, I think it's, I think it's really different. Uh, lots of chatter about, um, you know, I talked to one friend whose daughter is in grade nine and going into Kelvin High School, and she'll be going to school um, two to three times a week. And um, she's not a really good self-motivated, self-focused kid. So um, uh, her child's already decided that she's probably going to fail grade nine and how awful this is. So there's, there's lots of feelings around that. Mom works full time out of the home. And... Um, yeah, I've talked to I've talked to parents who have made the decision that they're not going to continue to see the grandparents uh, yeah. when the kids get back to school. So, um, and and having said that, believe it or not, for some kids, um, the quieter schools, the smaller numbers, uh, being able to hide behind a mask, that actually for some kids is going to bring some comfort because um, some kids are really really nervous and and. You know, struggle with with uh, anxiety when it comes to school. So, um, the one thing I can say for certain, I'm just so glad I don't have kids going back to school, and I don't have to navigate what everyone's navigating. So, um, yeah, and I, uh, Melissa, I, I I feel for the situation that you're in as a substitute. My daughter does hair. My oldest daughter, and she is she goes nowhere. She um, you know, I barely can get her to come into a store if I uh, am running an errand. And she's so careful with who she sees and what she does uh, to the extreme. Um, but at, uh, in her early 20s, she feels that she sees so many people and she has hands on her clients. And if she was to get um, sick or, or to carry uh, the virus without knowing it, how uh, horribly uh, how many people would be impacted in the position she's in. So, um, you know, she's, she's um, really limited with what she's allowing herself to do. And just this morning she was over and I, 
uh, asked what she was, you know, how her weekend was, and she's like, did nothing, saw no one. Well, you know, mom, I can't really see anyone, and she's just um, so cautious. So, um, yeah, so I, the substitute teachers, especially that travel to different schools, um, I feel for you, Melissa. <laughs> the other thing is, like, I travel, so between the two communities that I go to and being, and living in Brandon and subbing here, I actually go into three different divisions. So it's not even just within one division. It can really, I think a lot, I think there are many substitute teachers who probably are, got their feet in a whole bunch of different doors in order to, because like, if they need full-time employment, sometimes you won't have a job in one division, but you can get one in another. And, but I can also really feel for your grandparents' comment because that's, that was really hard. I had to tell my mom and my dad over the summer break that I wasn't going to be coming home for Christmas because I don't think I'll be able to take the two weeks to self-isolate before going to see them. And so it doesn't, like it impacts those families and those kids so much, but it also impacts like the adults who yeah. have like parents they want to go and see. Wow. So Charlotte, I mean, we're hearing this now. And I mean, if you kind of look at Melissa, I mean, her predicament, she has this job that you know, has her in, in close proximity to so many different people. She's, you know, self-isolating. She's due diligent. How much stress and whatever does that put on people, you know, besides just even everything else that's going on? Oh, you know what? I was just feeling for you as well, Melissa. And, and that's really like you're doing all the precautions that you can. You're doing the best you can. And, and still, you know, some people will get COVID. And, um, and it's just, you know, how to support yourself, you know, if something like that, you know, happens, um, you know, I was thinking of what Kristen was saying about her daughter, she's doing everything she can to keep herself safe and keep, you know, her family safe as well. But, you know, things are going to happen. I, I mean, I was looking at the paper this morning and another case has come out of Ikea. Well, how many people do we know have went running into Ikea to get some back to school things or, you know, so, so there's a lot of people that are sitting with some anxiety around, um, you know, do I need to go get tested because I went to Ikea. So I, I think that's the reality that we're in, um, that we can do everything that we can. And, you know, and some of us are still going to catch it. Uh, and, um, and figuring out how to support yourself. And I have to say, I, I'm a back to school mom too today because well, tomorrow my, my youngest is going back to university. So uh, it's not like I have a little one in the house, but I've got, I've got one who's you know, working through some things. Um, she's on student council at CMU and spent all weekend um, in leadership and mental health training. So um, really I'm, Please, with CMU taking a, an active role in making sure, you know, all their student leaders have some really great mental health training going forward. And uh, the theme for a lot of them on the weekend was um, mourning what they thought this year was going to be. So it was all the expectations um, and all the looking forward to's. And now it's, you know, it's looking quite different. So it was a bit of a morning and then pivoting to, you know, new possibilities. So, so interesting conversations coming home, uh, you know, when we were chatting this weekend um, about what that's going to look like for her and the other, you know, students in leadership at, at Canadian Mennonite University. Now, is she actually going to be on campus, Charlotte? Uh, certainly. Yeah, they're doing a hybrid. So there's, because it's a smaller university, some classes will be in person and some will be online. And so um, they're really talking about flexibility and pivoting and, 
and uh, making sure that the the kids are comfortable with you know what they're doing, um, and they've put some really great protocols in shape in place. But you know, having said that, you you never know. It could you know it could end up in that university as well. Um, but you know, she was talking about she loves Folio Cafe, and that's um, it's like a library coffee shop, and it's a real meeting place for young people. Um, lots who go to CMU, and then just you know ones that live in the neighborhood. And she says there's five tables in there. So, you know, there's, there's, it's just such a different feel to what it was. And, uh, and then talking about, you know, what's going to happen when we can't meet outdoors, when the weather finally turns and, uh, and it's too cold to be outside. So, you know, coming up with ideas around that too. So. Oh, well, it's all about resiliency. I was interesting. And, and Melissa, I'll ask you this too. I know on this school year, everybody passed or whatever just because of the situation uh but kirsten you said your friend's uh child that's in grade nine i mean they're already saying i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna fail grade nine melissa what are your feelings on possibly you know the this new school year 2020-21 everybody passes again too and i guess too how is that helpful and not helpful to both the student and the parents that's a really good question. <laughs> so how is that? Okay, so I'm going to start with how is that helpful? So it's helpful in the sense that um, we're kind of looking at it's like you're going to get there and you're going to get there eventually and you've put some work in, or at least I'm going to hope that everyone's putting work in that can vary from person to person. And there, it, it, maybe it's a way of acknowledging that time and the effort that they've put in. Mm -hmm. And but at the same time, like, I think one of the downsides is, is that we have to look at their proficiency at skills and how, as you go on to the different grade levels, that those skills are taken and we build on them. Because like, what you learn in grade one is the building block for what you do in grade two and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And it's good to be with your peers. They can be really supportive. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if you end up mixing up your groups a little bit and you kind of look at the needs of the students and maybe we don't think of it as so much as grade levels, but as, on, as a continuum of learning. Because some people are just going to take longer to learn things than others. I am the world's slowest learner of saxophone. So, <laughs> like, I get it. Like, it takes a while sometimes to wrap your head around different things. But if we move them on without having the mastery of the skills, I do kind of worry that students won't have the skills to be proficient at the things they need to be able to do later on. Mm -hmm. And they won't have, um, they won't have learned how to continue on with things that are challenging if we just move them forward. Right. No, totally. And I think, w would it not be more like, I mean, going back to your conversation with your daughter, Charlotte, that now it was great to hear that they were talking about mental health and wellness, and perhaps that is going to be a bigger component of education as we move forward, right? And we use words like empathy and everything like that, but if you ask what that word meant five years ago, it certainly wouldn't have the big impact that it does now, and especially on children too as well. So maybe um, Kristen and Charlotte, you can comment on that. <laughs> eeny, meeny, miny, moe. <laughs> Which one of us is going to go? Okay, go, Kristen. <laughs> I'll start, and then you'll you'll I'll tag off with you. Um, 
you know, it's, it, it's so interesting um, how we've become so, as a society over the last um, 10, 25 years, how we've uh, come to understand mental wellness and mental health. Um, 10 years ago, it was easier for many people to, to simply state that their, their kid was an asshole instead of actually coming forth and saying, listen, you know, there's, there's a mental health struggle that, that's happening. Um, there's a lot of shame with that. And um, just, just the knowledge of what we're learning and how, um, you know, I, I've, I really like to credit Brene Brown with, uh, you know, owning your story. Um, and and um, owning where you're at with your your mental health, um, and uh, you know yeah, that distinct that that eliminates the shame that we seem to carry and uh, that we drag behind us. So, as far as um, the education piece, um, like and Charlotte can speak to this uh, as well. The young people that are aware of, of mental health and how that's fluid, like physical health, and what that might look like, and the um, the understanding and the empathy absolutely warms my heart um, because I truly feel if um, uh, us as a society could learn to uh, tune more into empathy and understand what it feels like to be in someone else's shoes. Um, I think we would all benefit, right, uh, on, on all levels. So just the way that um, so many young people are in, embracing the understanding of mental health and how that's fluid, like physical health, and how it's important in recognizing um, the effects and the struggles that can come from that at, from time to time, and also um, the resiliency that can build uh, when you overcome that um, and you can own that. Um, it's just it's just a different world now for young people that way and um yeah just i i think it's fantastic what's happening do you want to tag off charlotte uh, you know my, whoops my head goes to um you know whatever supports that the school is creating around mental health to and my hope is that the family has a, a piece of that as well um so often if um the parents aren't working with the children um, on a mental health plan for their family. Um, it may not have the, the best results. Um, so what I mean by, Kirsten and I talk a lot about uh, mental health in a family is a real parallel process. When one person is struggling, the whole family is struggling. And, uh, and I know that, you know, as parents, we try our best not to show our, our hand and, you know, in our anxiety, but a lot of times children can feel what's, you know, what's what we're feeling and, uh, and then they take it to school and, you know, and, and it passes on to their friends and then the friends bring it back home. So there's this whole cycle of increased anxiety that's going on right now in our community. And I'm just hoping that um, more parents will start to realize that, you know, let's work on this as a family. Let's figure out, you know, where our struggles are. Let's how, figure out how we can support each other and just make it more of a safe space in our, in our home. Um, and, I, and I encourage schools to take a look at that when they're uh, introducing mental health into their curriculum. You know, what part of it is for the parents to do? What part of it is homework for the parents as well? Wow. Uh, no, Melissa, maybe getting a little off going back to school, just you know, being in Brandon and, you know, obviously Brandon has been in the news and has had his fair share of uh, COVID outbreaks. And, and certainly I think the whole 
town of Brandon or the city of Brandon as, as certainly um, the climate has changed, correct? And, and people are feeling anxious and scared too as well. So if you can kind of comment and tell us a little bit more on your, I guess, experience and how Brandon has changed in the last few weeks. It seems really quiet out here. I live on a busy-ish street and I can see the main street from my from where I live and it's really quiet now and there used to be a lot more pedestrians and a lot more traffic but it seems like everyone's taking like the like the idea of like they need to make sure that they're being safe and keeping others safe and keeping themselves safe really seriously which I think is really nice mm -hmm. when I'm the designated grocery shopper for my household so I get to go to the store and it seems like everyone there is also taking it really seriously like they're being cautious and I think a lot of people are taking the advice that we've been given by public health like to heart mm -hmm. and that they're doing their best with it. And like, I haven't, like I've seen everyone be like just really polite to each other. And I think that like they're making the best, but I think a lot of people realize that like you have to be kind to each other. You have to be patient. And I always, like I personally always try to be really kind to people who help at like the checkout at the store because there's no point in rushing we're in COVID-19. There's no point in rushing. Just, just slow down. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you go to, the, I don't know if you have them at your grocery store, but at, at ours, there's signs like, please, we, there is no food shortage. There is plenty of food. There is no reason to be buying ginormous amounts of groceries because there's enough. So you're right. It's, it's and I was glad to see. Um, I did notice today and I just briefly in the news and next week we're really going to touch on it ladies about discrimination and how that's hopefully not but possibly going to unfold in new different ways with kids going back to school and uh, I believe and I, I'm I don't but it is a couple that they've already uh, expressed that their child is going to um, be will have be discriminated upon because the child has Down syndrome and already, you know, there's not enough, I guess, staffing and support for this child to go back to school. So yes, those, the ones that, that have you know, disabilities, the ones that need the TAs that won't be there. How, how are your schools handling it, Brandon? I honestly don't know a whole lot about that, and you'd probably have to direct your questions to Brandon School Division itself. Yeah. Because I, <laughs> I don't work in that role. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I know, like, there's all of the other, right, groups that um, we don't normally think about. And, and that's, uh, you know, how do we, how do, I don't know, how did they solve the problem? I don't know. As a parent, I don't know how you would react to that. But um, those are kind of some of the situations, I guess, that will unfold as the weeks go on. Charlotte, do you want to dig in? You know what, I'm, Tracy, I'm wishing that Susie was here because she would <laughs> give that talk about we are in unprecedented times. We are in a pandemic, you know, and, and, and I just, I, I keep hearing her words and, and we may not have the answers, but, you know, I know that the schools are working through as best they can, um, given these circumstances. Um, you know, I, and, and I'll, I'll reach out to some of my school contacts, not today, because I know that they've got lots going on, but I, I would imagine that they're working extra hard to try to figure out all these 
scenarios that maybe they hadn't thought, you know, fully through. And, you know, and parents, you know, will have to, you know, be supportive too in, in trying to figure out um, how best to work. And, and I know that they have stakeholders and groups and, and that will be meeting with the schools as well. So hopefully um, what we were reading about discrimination is just more around, we just haven't figured out how to make it work yet. So, mm -hmm. well, I, yes, I'm sure. I mean, they have to, I mean, there's so many different variables, you know, just beyond just opening up the schools. Melissa, for yourself, why did you want to become a teacher? Well, I became, um, well, I specialized in music because I wanted to bring music to a lot of people and so they could enjoy it and they could eventually have the skills that they would be able to make whatever kind of music they chose. Because there's so many different genres out there. There's so many different instruments. But there's some building block and foundational things that regardless of if you like rock music or if you like classical or country, like there's a lot of things that like you can do that will build their skills to be able to go on and do whatever they want. And I, for me, my goal is always to have my students become self-sufficient as musicians and I guess develop independent musicianship so that they can go out and do what they want to do. Wow. So, well, hopefully you can start it. I mean, so on a typical great month, how many times would you be out teaching? Um, I'm going to look at our calendar. So in September, there's generally not a lot of subbing. This might be the <laughs> exception. <laughs> yeah. Because I think it was... I think last year I said six and a half days in September. Wow. So like it, it can vary and it depends on what you can pick up on the automated dispatch system. How <laughs> quick you are there. <laughs> um, but this year, I think that most, that I'll probably at most be half time availability just because I've traveled to the other communities. Yeah. So I'd probably be like at most, I could probably sub 10 days a month. Mm -hmm. And it depends on how, um, my interactions with those two communities are kind of orchestrated and so it might change a little bit but you but last year i was available about half time wow. 10 days ish a month wow. Melissa, i have a question for you um i heard from a another friend of mine that band will not have any um wind instruments that's a conundrum <laughs> 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 um have you have you heard anything about that I have not heard too much about that. I've um, put a lot of time this summer into figuring out general music because that's most of what I've been doing for the last couple of years. But I think it'll be really interesting because while like we think of band traditionally as having all these instruments and ensembles using instruments and choirs singing, this is a really great opportunity to look at some of the other skills that we teach through the music, but we don't necessarily put a ton of focus on. So like we could be preparing for something that we'll sing later and learn about the composer and like what their ideas were and what the themes are and like, oh, look, the tenors have it at the same time as the altos or like just so many different kind of things that you can do by having that extra time to kind of delve further into the music itself in addition to making the music. And it can then inform like all the musical choices that you make. So like as much as I'd be sad not to have an instrument in band class, like hopefully they'll have instruments that they can take home so they can play music at home. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a time when we can really explore fundamentals like rhythm and pitch and note reading and history and just like so many other things that sometimes we 
do some of, but we focus more on the doing, which is really important because doing is also a really good way to learn. Wow, that is a whole different way of learning. And, uh, and I do like that, you know, because there is so much history behind music. And I think too, if you knew the story behind the notes that you were playing, then that makes it all that more memorable, or at least something that you want to practice and, and get to understand. So that's a great way of looking at a new way of teaching music, certainly. One of the things that I'm really excited for is that, um, is that I'm going to be integrating visual arts a little bit into the music that I've been, uh, that I'll be working on with some of my students this year, because I, I think that uh, pictures at an exhibition by Mazorsky would be really interesting to do. And that's because you have these 10 movements that are based on actual pieces of art, mm -hmm. but half of the pictures are actually gone. Like we don't have them anymore, they're lost. So then they can think about what they hear in the music and the recordings and then take that and they have to learn how to describe what they hear so that they can then create an image. So it's, it'll be really interesting because I, I find that one of the things that we don't do really well is express our opinions about music and this gives them an opportunity to both express it using words and descriptors and then to also then create a visual of it. I think it's just going to be really neat. Wow. Well, we can hardly wait to see that because you could do that virtually. <laughs> exactly. My logic is I will plan as if I have to be virtual because you can do a lot of things that you do virtually in person, mm -hmm. but it's just easier in person. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I mean, you know what, maybe you could, you know, have an outdoor concert, you know, this time next year or in the spring of next year, that'd be wonderful. But, uh, Charlotte, do you have anything? I love that whole visual arts and music. I mean, it has been done, but I mean, especially now and to see the growth in young people, I think that's fantastic. And what a great way to do something for mental health and wellness. <laughs> no, you know, there's some really great ideas that are coming out, you know, creatively, um, like on Zoom or online, and uh, I'm just amazed at that. And then on the side note, I was chuckling at us trying to sing you happy birthday last week and how bad that was. <laughs> so it really takes some uh, creativity and organization to get it to work. So um, my hat's off to all those who've been able to create some beautiful concerts using Zoom and, uh, and making it work. So. Yeah, and it's, wow. it's amazing how much work goes into actually creating those things. And I was doing a smaller project with my sister um, I guess a couple of weeks ago now, but I didn't realize what goes into doing the recording process because it's not what I usually do. It's what she does is uh, she's a freelance harpist in Winnipeg, but to see all of um, what goes into that is always really eye-opening because I've never done a recording project with her. I've performed with her, but I've never done the recording stuff. <laughs> so like it's, it's a big job and like hats off to anyone who can do that for Zoom. It's like, oh. No, I mean, I think we're all learning. It's all been a learning process this whole year. And I guess, too, I, before we wrap up, maybe, Melissa, what's your takeaway? And we talked about it, the other ladies, all, all through this. I mean, we started back in April with this show, and we've met so many people. And But uh, what is your takeaway in all of this isolation and COVID and pandemic and turning your world a little upside down, too, in the process? I think what I've taken away most is that 
it is what you make of it. And the first month was really hard. And then I remembered, you know what? It's okay. Like, it's going to be summer. You can go outside soon. You can have a garden. Like, and I also thought, like, okay, so if I'm not working because there's no substitute teaching, what can I do to better my household? And so by being able to feel like I was doing something productive for my household, I found that that really helped me. And it doesn't necessarily have to be big things either. So like, I was like, I'm going to make bread so that we can have fresh bread. And so it's like, it's little things like that that I found that were really helpful and not necessarily stressing too much about the big picture. Like you have to make sure that you're making the best choices for yourself is what I kind of realized as well. Cause you can worry about your students and you can plan for them, but if you're not well, then how are you going to take care of others? Which I think is really important. Mm -hmm. And I remember learning that when I first started my career, that that was really hard, that I would give a lot to my students, but not take care of myself. And so like, this is the opposite situation because when you're a substitute teacher, you're not going anywhere. So it's an opportunity. It was an opportunity to learn how to better take care of myself. Oh, well, you know what? We heard, we've heard that and it's all, it makes you feel good too, that you're not alone as well. And so many others have, have done the same as you. So. You know, maybe in all of this darkness, there is definitely light at the end of the tunnel as we all come out of it. But uh, no, we really appreciate this time, Melissa, that you spent with us and getting to know you. And please, we invite you back. I mean, I think all of September is going to be a little bit back to education and schooling and uh, whatnot. But I was just going to go quickly around. What, what big memory do you remember, Kristen and, and Charlotte, of going back to school? young or, or <laughs> any momentous? Oh my gosh. Uh, for myself, when I was young, um, um, going back to school was a really exciting time. Uh, we had a cottage, so I would, I would remove myself or my parents would remove me from Winnipeg all summer. And then we'd come back at the end of the long weekend and start school like the next day. So for me, it was always a huge connection back to um, my friends. Um, then as I got a little bit older and I had my own children, it was uh, embracing routine. And as awesome as summer is, you know, we do, uh, or I always, um, I always appreciated routine with my kids. Uh, it was time always about that third week in August to get back to routine. And um, yeah, and I wanted to say, Tracy, uh, the shows, um, I know you started this back in April, and it's been such a great way to stay connected in those really uncertain times. I, I know for myself and for a lot of others, we're getting used to what um, COVID-19 brings and what it looks like, but uh, um, it's been a great connection. So I just wanted to thank you again that uh, uh, putting this together because every week um, it's been an awesome connection and, and great topics. Wow. Well, and I mean, I don't think if we had weren't in this, we wouldn't be talking about this at all. And which is really crazy because now we see that a lot of the things that we have been talking with have always been there. We've always been simmering and, oh, someone's had an issue with this and oh, and that, but we haven't altogether talked about it and how it, oh yeah, it's, it's happened to me or I feel like that. So um, I mean, it's thanks to you two, you and, and Charlotte and Robin, that have allowed us to be a little bit more comfortable in, in what we're talking about. 
So Miss Smiley Pants there, Charlotte, I'm sure you have a, a big moment of going back to school. You know, it's funny, um, one story that comes to mind, um, in my, uh, going into grade 11, I switched schools and um, my mom had decided, she, I was up actually up in Canada, up at our cottage, um, and I, I grew up down in, in Memphis. So my mom registered me for all of my classes. And uh, so I'm, how old would I have been? 16, my mom was, was 36 at the time and she, she's super cute. So this um, friend, he's now a good friend of mine, he befriended my mother because he thought, oh, if the daughter is as good looking as the mother, I want to get to know the daughter. So he, he came in and um, Kevin is larger than life. He's, he's a super funny comedian. And he said, I'll help you register your daughter for classes. So I ended up in every single class with, with Kevin. And I was like, so when my mom told me this story, she's like, oh, I met this really wonderful little you know, young man who helped me register you and you're in all his classes. And I'm thinking, I got a stalker now. Like, what am I gonna do? Um, anyway, he made my first day of my new school in grade 11, um, just wonderful. And um, he got me involved in the uh, in theater at the, uh, at the high school that I went to. Um, and I'll give a shout out, Germantown High School in Germantown, Tennessee, huge, um, huge uh, theater. And uh, lots of people came out of there that are, are movie stars. And, you know, a friend of mine was on uh, Saturday Night Live. And I was watching a show last night with another one of, you know, my high school um, colleagues. Uh, sh she was on, uh, oh, that crazy show called uh, Dirty John Betty. Um, oh. One of the stars in that. So, I mean, you know. So really some fun memories that came out of that high school and uh, and my graduation was on the football field and it was televised live uh, in Germantown. So just typical all-American high school experience. So. Wow. And to think that those kids in Germantown won't be doing that this year. Yeah, you know, I have no idea what they're going to do. So it was, a, it was at the time, it was a big, big high school and um, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. So. Wow. Well, I guess my story is pretty boring, you know, I, no, you know what, um, because my birthday is at the end of August, and then so it's always like I would get a whole brand new wardrobe going back to school. So that was my big thing is this, you know, is and wearing and having every for each day, you know, what you're going to wear. And that went right through until, you know, into high school. But uh, yeah, you know, it just again, getting back to your with your friends and, and seeing, you know, other friends you hadn't seen all summer and then seeing the teachers and you're in a new classroom with a new teacher and all the gossip and everything. Yeah, those are those are the fun memories. Yeah, no doubt. And for you, Melissa? I think my favorite is like going to see the students and because they're always different. Like most of the time, it's different students every day. <laughs> but you get to learn something different every day. And I think that's what I like most about going back to school. Because mm -hmm. that yeah. way, like, it's always interesting. You're always doing something different. You're always learning something new. And I think that's one of the things I look forward to most. Oh, well, we all wish that you will, and you will soon. And, you know, in, in safe and environments and, uh, you know, stay safe and healthy. And uh, definitely, we welcome you back, I mean, with anything. And we want an update on your music program with the visual arts. We would love to see what you, what you can do. So Absolutely. Yes. Thank you so much, Melissa.
And thank you, Charlotte and Kirsten. Have a wonderful lunch hour on this cold Tuesday, although it's supposed to get warmer as we get head into the end part of the week. So next Tuesday, um, hopefully, yeah, we'll have Jessica and Hani on from uh, Winnipeg Partnership to talk more on, you know, how discrimination now is coming up again and resurfacing. So should be interesting. And welcome Robin back too as well. Okay. Yeah. So happy Tuesday, everybody. Take care. Stay safe. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of ILikeQ.com. Podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company. Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. Come on a journey like no other where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.